it, it rolls up to this this tire fire uh, and, and watches its brethren being burned <laughs> at the stake. Oh, there are some humans throwing tires onto the fire. It, it's a very intense emotional scene. And we, we cut. Is it? <laughs> Is it? <laughs> you have to look at it from the tires perspective at a certain point. You know? Hello and welcome to Movie Struck, a podcast about movies and the people who watch them. I'm your host, Sophia Ricciardi, and I am joined today by my dear friend and dungeon master, Van. Van, welcome to the Hi. show. <laughs> Hi, thanks for thanks for having me. Now, normally this is the point in the episode where I would ask you uh, why you have chosen to watch what we watched, but since this is our first ever episode of Movie Struck, I feel like we owe the audience a little bit of explanation as to why we're here and why we are talking at them movies Sounds good. that's more than that's more than the movie gave us so yes i mean we're not here for no reason although we will get to that in just a minute lord <laughs> this podcast is uh designed as a revenge pod for everyone who has ever had to watch a bad movie with uh me i originally conceived it as an attempt to let people get revenge for all those times that they had to watch Moonstruck or the latest Nick Cage flick or <laughs> Rubber, to name a movie. Uh, but it's sort of evolved since then into a chance to explore why people want to watch what they watch and what people do when you give them absolute free reign. So every week I am going to be joined by a different guest and every week that guest gets to pick absolutely any movie in the world any movie their heart desires. It could be a B flick. It could be this year's best picture winner. It does not matter. All that matters is that they want to watch it and I have to watch it as well. We'll then discuss the movie on the podcast, uh, dive into how we feel about it after having both had to watch it, summarize the plot a little bit, and just have a good time riffing and hanging out. So with that out of the way, Van, <laughs> why did Hi. you select Rubber? <laughs> as the movie well, of choice. Well, I'm so glad you asked me, Sophia. Uh, I, I feel like the movie itself kind of gave its neat little answer in that there there was no reason, just no reason. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just such a... M rubber is just such a weird non sequitur of a movie that just sort of tries to grasp your attention for an hour and a half, and it does, but just n not in the ways that you really want it to. I'd, I'd say that sums it up pretty, pretty well. Uh, <laughs> so to reiterate, we watched Rubber, a 2010 movie about that is described by IMDb as a horror comedy. Uh, although I'm not really sure it technically falls into either of those categories, but since I can't think of genres that it does fall into, we're going to roll with that for now. Mm. <laughs> also, as a note, if you have not seen Rubber and you do not want it spoiled, I recommend you press pause on the podcast, go watch it, process it and then come back and press play because we are going to spoil the entire plot of the movie over the course of the next 30 minutes or so got it good awesome let's dive right on in rubber opens with lots of logos gregory bernard pictures happens twice it's also dedicated to someone named palm burkhart the movie has a french director so i assume i just butchered that name and i apologize to the french <laughs> the, the, the director What's his name? Quentin Dupieux? Oh. I, I have also not taken French, so I'm right there with you. 
Yes, it's he's famous for a few other kind of like esoteric little horror flicks and things. Um, he's a French director. Uh, most of his films, other films, are in French. So if you're interested in more of his work, you're going to need to VPN your way onto French Netflix in all likelihood. <laughs> but we open with a, a dusty desert road, chairs scattered across it, no score, no other sound effects, just the wind and these chairs. A man holding 30 or so binoculars stands near the chairs, and out of nowhere, a car goes out of its way to hit every single chair on the road, pulling up in front of the man with the binoculars. This is our first... Yeah. <laughs> when I... Oh, God. It's like, we're not even like a minute in, and already you're just asking what the fuck. And, and that feeling of, of what the fuck, just... It, they, they managed to ride that high for the entire movie. God. I thought it was... I thought he was trying to at least... I thought it. I thought he was at least trying to avoid the chairs, but just badly overcorrecting <laughs> and just bumping into chair. But no, no, I don't. It's uh, what the fuck. Van, it's okay. There's no reason that he hit the chairs. <laughs> <laughs> After every single chair has been knocked down, uh, it doesn't matter who's driving the car. Don't worry about that because someone gets out of the trunk holding a full glass of water and hands his glasses to the driver and then proceeds to directly address the camera with an opening monologue that I can only describe as existing for, again, no reason. Yeah, to, to, yeah that, that is essentially the, the premise of, of his monologue and indeed mm-hmm. probably the whole movie. Like, I, I can't imagine what, what our boy Quentin was thinking, <laughs> but it's almost as if... I, I really do. I have my own thoughts regarding this entire situation, but it's almost as if he, he tried to sort of, you know, deconstruct this entire concept. Mm. And, and I'm, I'm no film expert at all, but it's almost as if, like, he took, you know, the, the genre of a horror uh, and was like, okay, well, how can we how can we play with this and how can we bend the rules? Well, well first, let's just acknowledge that it, the only way that for any of this to work and make sense within, like, within the limits of the movie is just to sort of lampshade the whole thing and say that, there's no reason for the things why they're happening there's no reason for them to happen and if we just sort of like let the audience go with that assumption we can just chug on forward with the rest of this weird weird movie yes it's sort of uh preemptively preparing you to stop asking questions that a lot of these kind of sci-fi b-movie horror flicks do where you know you we got your it's movies very similar to tremors in a lot of aesthetics and plot i think um there's this existential yeah. threat in a small desert town with a non-human enemy right but when you're watching tremors there's a lot of questions that get answered about where these uh sandworms are coming from and what have you uh this movie is not going to tell you where its villain comes from and you are not intended to ask it just understand that it is happening for no reason but but Sophia, that is the answer. You don't they they don't ha- you don't they you don't have to be belabored with with any of these origins or backstories. Just kind of accept that all this shit happens for no reason, and we can just proceed. <laughs> Speaking of proceeding in this monologue, I do actually kind of want to stop here for a second because he, mm. uh, in order to set up that they are exploring the principle of no reason, he explains a few examples from movies. <laughs> Uh, that had plot points that existed for no reason. For example, um, he says in E.T., why was the alien brown? No reason. But one of the examples he gives, I feel like, does have <laughs> yeah. a reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm interested to see if it's the one you're thinking of, because I, I, he says in the movie JFK, why is the president yeah. <laughs> assassinated? No reason. I, I feel like there was a reason. <laughs> that, that's the other thing, too, right? Like, mm-hmm. 
whatever who i can only assume I'm, I'm 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 ragging on quentin our boy quentin but i have no idea if you wrote the the thing i i, I didn't do that much research into mm-hmm. it because it's rubber it, it was I? it was written by quentin um, okay he's the yeah, writer director so, so yeah so so quentin was obviously trying not obviously but i can surmise that Quentin was trying to <laughs> give his own little in-universe reason as to why to do all these things, and he just kind of like cherry-picked some examples. But I argue that you could give a reason to all of all of the things. A, a good portion of them, I think. Another one of those examples is is Chainsaw Massacre. Why don't we mm. never see people wash their hands or or, or or dry them like we do in real life? He claims the answer is no reason, but the the actual reason is that it's not there are a multitude of reasons it, it doesn't it doesn't fit with the story like it'll it'll mess up the pacing it's it's mundane yeah and i don't know if he's a, like directly trying to address that and say we'll, we'll give you the mundane stuff we'll we'll make this seem like it's real life i i don't know but, if that yeah. works for me though because i feel like he's giving examples inherently about like plot devices happening for no reason because in this movie we don't see characters like going about day-to-day things without it being relevant to the overarching plot of the movie so i feel like what he's trying to say here has to be like these plot points or these details happened for no reason but again i feel like we got to go back to the assassination of jfk of all things which (laughs) i do not feel fully qualified to hypothesize as to the reason behind that but i feel like there has to be one right Guys, Quent- Quentin said it here, folks. JFK had no reason to be assassinated. <laughs> there was no, re- or or even further yet, there was no reason for a biopic about JFK to <laughs> include his assassination. We can either that can be omitted from the movie mm-hmm. entirely, or perhaps we are the masters of how history can be portrayed. And indeed, if we want to just portray history differently, what? Why not do it? There's no reason why we There's have no to portray history accurately. Reason. Life, it's to quote Rubber, life itself is filled with no reason. Uh, but we are God, only about five minutes into this movie. <laughs> God. So after having completed his speech, again, he's talking directly to the audience, directly to us, we assume. He proceeds to uh, pour out an entire glass of water for no reason, walks back to the trunk of the car and drives off. It is revealed that he was talking to a crowd of spectators, our Greek chorus, our audience surrogates, if you will, who are then handed Mm -hmm. binoculars and sit down to watch the movie as we do. On the iconic line, I see a dump, the aspect ratio of the film changes and we are introduced to And we are introduced Why? to our title character. Yeah, I think here's. I think that was actually very clever. I'm going to give Quentin some props here. The movie has but, begun, and so the aspect ratio changes to indicate that now we are in the movie. It doesn't stay that way. It's not like there's a consistency in that. Like when we look through the the in film audience's eyes, the aspect ratio changes. Like that would make sense. Mm-hmm. But no, it's like just for the title screen or whatever. And like once we actually see the subject of the movie. It just changes back to the regular, like to the to like the the sixteen nine aspect ratio that we've that we've been through, and I. I, I have to I have to kind some... of agree with you there because I did watching it. I was like, oh, they're gonna they're gonna cut back and forth between two aspect ratios to tell us what part of the movie we're in. That's very clever. And then they didn't do that. It it was this ain't, this ain't Grand Budapest Hotel. This no, ain't... <laughs> they're not gonna do that. No, you did not choose to watch Grand Budapest. You did choose to watch Rubber. So we will work with what we have. <laughs> <laughs> I can only apologize so many times. <laughs> There's no need to apologize. We've committed to this bit. 
And now we are going to see it through to the end. I do, I do love that we we go to various wide shots of trash mm. for landing on our tire friend. Uh, I say friend, but I, I truly... The tire is very cute for the first 20 minutes or so it's on screen. Uh, it shuffles a little bit before rising of its own accord and beginning its trek forward. But like a newborn giraffe, it learning to walk, it, it falls a few times before finally yeah. uh, gaining the ability to roll forward <laughs> unhindered. Yeah, for like a solid 10 minutes, we see effectively this tire like take its first steps at sentience. And like yeah, like you said, it rolls around, it falls mm-hmm. over. It inexplicably takes a drink from a from like a nearby pool of, of, of water. It does. That is that is something that happens a little further along in the sequence. But the tire has some yeah. like very. Que- it's it's unclear how alive the tire is, because um, <laughs> yeah. it, it does sleep and it does it does drink at various points, but it does never seem to eat. And it does have all of the properties that a tire normally would. Uh, I want to spare a thought for whoever on the production design team of this film had to consistently reset the sand between takes because there are tire treads that are yeah. new every single time the tire moves. And some, I, I can only assume that someone with a broom had to come back and like cover up those treads between takes. They did most hmm. of the effects in this film uh, with practical effects, which is very cool. That's also, yeah. uh, also a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and indeed there are some like shots that are... That you, you, you do ask like oh that's that's cool like how did they manage to just keep this tire rolling for so long and mm-hmm. probably it's it, it does say in like the trivia that their minimal cgi was used and i can only assume that the cgi that was used was was used to to to, to take to paint out like any wires or, or anything like that but like also like it's a it's a fairly sunny setting mm-hmm. so like even if someone was like out of camera frame like manipulating the tire you had to make sure that any shadows from any puppet masters i guess <laughs> puppeteers like tire maestros. It had to be like yeah it had to be like painted out or or adequately like made sure that their shadows were out of frame as well and uh, like that 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 is as as someone who who does appreciate movie effects mm-hmm. that that was that was a pretty cool thing to at, at least anchor and tether myself to as i tried to bear through the rest of the movie yeah i think the lack of like visible cgi uh in many ways really helps this movie helps you process this movie because i i certainly know like if if at any point a clearly cgi tire had rolled on screen i would have absolutely lost my shit (laughs) Mm -hmm. that would have been the breaking point but i digress our tire it is up it is walking quote unquote (laughs) it is rolling along um to some kind of peppy score until it encounters (gasps) A plastic bottle. The tire mm-hmm. ponders the bottle for a moment, tentatively touching it before rolling over it and crushing it for real. This is our first clue that the tire is amoral, or at the very least inclined towards evil. Uh, it has very little mm-hmm. regard for the things around it. Next, it encounters a scorpion in true Aesop's fable fashion, uh, and it crushes the scorpion as it did the bottle, now confirming that this tire has zero regard for the sanctity of life as... (laughs) What a fucking concept. (laughs) What a concept to introduce 15 minutes in to our film. Uh, But of course, its third encounter is the one that I think we need to linger on because this is the one Mm. that really establishes just what this tire can do and the rules of the universe we're in. 
the tire encounters a glass bottle. Uh, it cannot crush the bottle as it did the plastic bottle and the scorpion. So what what will it do? Will it will it move on? Will it accept that there are limitations to the ability that a tire can exhibit? No, it begins to shake slightly and as though viewed on a hot day through heat lines, the tire wobbles and the bottle explodes. We now know that the tire not has... <laughs> Not only has zero regard for the sanctity of life, but also it can telekinetically destroy objects with its mind. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and and what was the what was the phrase that the guy? That there was an argument like immediately after this, or or at least after the first few demonstrations of this ability, the movie cuts to the the, the in film yes. audience, yeah. I, I, and just there. <laughs> There is a, yet a not, another non sequitur to this non sequitur in, in which they debate whether it is telekinesis or some sort of. I believe it's. Mental... I, according to my notes, they they confirmed that it was psychokinetic powers, not telekinetic. Psychokinetic, yeah. <laughs> yes, which and I, the, the whole concept of this in film audience is is for me, it's a smarter way to lampshade just the what the fuckiness of this movie mm-hmm. because. You said it. You said it absolutely right. Like I agree with you. This is like the audience surrogate. We are to like this is our questions and our concerns about this movie put in the film directly to address those, or at least add lampshade over lampshade. Yeah, it, like they, pretty on beat. Yeah, they're very good about like like you were about to say on beat cutting to the in movie audience whenever there is a point where you might start questioning how the movie works so the psychokinetic powers is a great example of pretty much immediately after the tire blows something up we cut back to that audience um and it happens a few more times along the way yeah i I think i think it's a very clever way of kind of warding off those comments that you are inevitably going to get after the movie about well how could that have happened by just giving an explanation uh whether or not that explanation truly explains what's happening and it's it's yeah. it's a very clever use of an audience who does not survive to the to the film spoiler alert yeah i was going to say like it's a very <laughs> it's a very clever use until everything goes absolutely ape shit and just mm-hmm. like i wouldn't mm-hmm. say that the tonality shifts like literally halfway through but it does there is a pivot that kind of makes yes. you think okay what what at this point we're still in a very controlled setting in the movie um we're only Mm -hmm. about 20 minutes or so in there's a certain vibe that it has and there's a certain method with the audience cutaways and with the kind of growth of this tire where we are we are still in act one um we will progress to act two and see a little bit of a shift once we get there Um, but for now our tire is continuing along he's it's rolling it, it it blows up some other objects including a can and a bunny rabbit yeah yeah <laughs> like that yeah so he has fucking psychokinetic powers or whatever <laughs> but now combine that with its its disregard for life mm-hmm. oh boy you get yes. very interesting shots of animals being blown up um and then we get it, it becomes night time the tire rolls down and goes to bed by flopping over we do get a close-up to see the tire very slightly breathing for lack of a better word which i i personally found to be maybe the scariest part of the entire movie was the implication that this tire needs to breathe the, yeah <laughs> the, the i guess that reminded me just the in addition to all of the the, the effects that they had to make in order to make the tire move at all mm-hmm. the the effect that it has as it's like 
I don't know, charging up its kinetic yeah, it, it, blast it sort of or like whatever. Yeah, it vibrates a little bit. It, it does yeah. look a lot like if you were looking on a parking lot on a hot day and there's like those heat mm-hmm. waves coming out from uh, the asphalt, it sort of looks like you're viewing the tire through that. Um, there's this very yeah. high-pitched hum that accompanies it before the explosion. It's sort of a, a moment of build-up where we, the audience, know what's about to happen, but often the creature that finds itself on the receiving end is none the wiser. The, the sound effect for the charging up thing is is pretty cool it's it, very it cool. sort of just all mounts up and then <laughs> indeed as the tire goes to sleep so does the audience um the next morning our audience's guide he is listed in the credits as the accountant it's a sort of a, a yeah. <laughs> yeah. sort of a yeah it's an app name for he looks like an accountant. He does. He looks like an accountant. He's kind of there. He handed out binoculars earlier in the film. Now he steals mm-hmm. some money from the wallets of the sleeping audience and then wakes them up so they may continue watching the film, uh, reminding us that we are indeed watching a film. None of them seem to have any food. They're all very hungry, but they resume watching as the tire drinks from a puddle, blows up a rabbit, and then the music becomes very, very groovy as the tire continues going about its day. Um, I, I thought I thought at first that that was just a tire living life. Yes. Like, just, it, it like wiggles just... more than it normally does when it's rolling, so it, it almost looks like the tire yeah. is dancing to the music. Um, but... Yeah, as, as, if he, as if he relishes in the fact that he blew up a rabbit, which... I guess it's pretty par for the course for mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the tires characterization. I can't stress enough that this is a tire I'm <laughs> talking about. <laughs> yes, they managed to put an intense amount of emotion into a generic tire. Uh, but as it comes across the road, it does. The music is revealed to be coming from the radio of a convertible that the classic hot girl of horror movie drives by. And the tire, mm-hmm. seemingly enamored with this convertible driving woman, watches it and begins its process of blowing things up it's unclear where it's targeting the girl's engine stalls out and the tire begins to head towards the convertible only to be completely (laughs) absolutely blindsided by a truck that hits it from behind and sends it spiraling off the road the girl's engine starts and she gets away making a narrow escape from danger as the tire is wronged for the first time by humanity Mm -hmm. yeah and here's this is like (sighs) It's so odd because, okay, so at least, like, we're getting more of the tire's characterization, mm-hmm, right? Because, mm-hmm. like, before you could sort of surmise that the tire, it just did what it wanted. And it just so happened that what it wanted was, was to move, was to get stuff out of his way. And I guess the easiest way for him to solve that was to just blow shit up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you could argue that him blowing up the rabbit, and there is a crow, I do, uh, I believe, yes, as well. Yes, I think well. it's immediately after the convertible, he, he insta- right. retargets to a, a nearby crow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, that's just, you could argue that that is just him testing out his powers, not necessarily done out of malice toward those creatures. It's not until as he gets fucking <laughs> crushed and, and knocked over by, by a truck that he begins to actually use those uh, those powers of his for for a more amoral concept uh, purpose. Yes, it's it's it's. I hate to make it's like if Superman was raised by the wrong people. It's <laughs> a man with such infinite power. It really is, but it's, no it's, concept it's, of morality. It's sort of the Megamind approach to character build up. <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> 
it, this tire had it got it. You have to wonder if the tire had been able to approach this woman uh, uninterrupted because it, it, it is she becomes sort of a reoccurring character later in the film. And whenever she's encountered, the yeah. tire does not use its powers um, so much as it does uh, perform every woman's worst nightmare and just kind of creepily watching from a distance. It leers. It leers, which is so weird because it's a tire. It's a tire. <laughs> But you have to wonder if it had been able to approach the woman before the truck had, uh, again, rear-ended it. Would it have taken off down this path that it it did? And uh, what sort of moral questions does that raise? But we don't have time for that because we have to cut to a gas station where the guy who drives the truck is filling up his car. The girl in the convertible takes off past the gas station, flipping the bird at the man who just cut her off. And then the tire rolls into the back of the frame as the man is on the phone. <laughs> He walks over to his truck, he gets in, he stares at this tire, and the tire stares back uh, and blows up his head. Mm -hmm. Getting revenge for its previous slight, the tire rolls onward. (laughs) Yeah. And you have to, like, is this a a point where it cuts back to the audience? Because let's, Mm -hmm. I guess in in universe, right, this is a group of people that paid money, I presume, uh, to, to, to see this spectacle i can't imagine that they were given a lot of information but once they figured out what was going on they were sort of transfixed and hooked and effectively they just saw a person living in their world another human being like them get their get their head blown up by a tire i i don't remember what their reaction to it was uh but it it, it certainly wasn't like I don't think we see the audience reaction at this point. There's another scene before it, but this is something that kind of comes up a little later on where we'll find out a bit of who arranged this whole show seems to treat the Mm -hmm. first half of the movie like a movie and the second half, it becomes a bit more real. But we will get to that a little later on. First, we hard cut to a motel where the girl is staying. Her convertible is parked outside. We hear cop car sirens in the background. This will be our indicator throughout the film that someone is pursuing the tire's reign of terror. (laughs) Because Mm -hmm. for the first few times it strikes, we don't get to see the immediate aftermath, uh, but we do know that someone is onto it. Uh, For some reason, the woman is taking a shower with the door to her motel room slightly ajar. (laughs) Which... I had so many questions about that because I don't I have, even shower in my own apartment with the door open, much less have, a hotel I have, room. I have, I have multiple, I have, I have just like an overarching theory as to what all of this even is. The problem is you, you can only get so far with each theory that is proposed before it starts to like inevitably mm-hmm, fall apart. Mm-hmm. But the problem is you can't even be mad at it. The, with the whole no reason thing, the movie tells, like, it lays its cards out on the table. It's as if, with, with the whole no reason monologue it has from the beginning, it's as if it's telling you, yeah, there are, you know, the, <laughs> with movies you expect a certain kind of logic. Our logic here is that things that happen inexplicably happen for no reason. So if your theory falls apart halfway through, just just, just go with it. There's no reason so, for it. Yes. Yeah. It's 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 rough. And once again, the tire rolls into her room. Um, she is pulling a God. psycho, getting into the shower. Just as the tire is about to fully enter the room, she walks over and closes the door, shutting the tire out. Uh, and it proceeds to somehow get into a different motel room and stay in it. Uh, but don't worry about that right now. <laughs> <laughs> the tire had to had to climb a staircase. <laughs> yes. 
but we, we don't need to worry about that right now. We're cutting back to our audience surrogates. They're getting very, very hungry. The kid is holding a piece of blown up rabbit that someone immediately says, idiot, can't you see it's fake? Confirming that it is some sort yeah. of proper practical effect, which I thought was very funny. But we cut back to our tire who is watching TV. This will not be the first or last time it watches TV. And the accountant in the next room over gets a phone call from someone he refers to as his master. Also, he has a turkey in the room. We wonder what he says. He says he's going to take care of something. He then proceeds to presumably murder the turkey. It, there is a gobble sound effect and a hard cut to black, so we can only extrapolate. The next morning, the moderator delivers a roasted turkey to a group of now ravenous audience members <laughs> mm-hmm. with only one man watching throughout the night who does not partake. Uh, <laughs> he is our, our mystery audience member who seems to not be... Yeah quite as taken in by his animal instincts as the rest of them do. It is never really explained why, but again, as this whole premise of this movie is no reason, we can assume that he has no reason for being just a little bit stronger of will than the others were. I mean, the whole thing with the whole audience surrogate, right? It's like nearly all of them are just the epitome of like the worst moviegoers you have yes. you have that pair that just is is complete skeptics and overanalyzes mm-hmm. everything they're the people who 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 claimed to the little boy that retrieved the crow that everything is fake yes, they are actually credited they're, in the movie as film buffs ethan and charlie uh so they're mm-hmm. they're those two guys who have seen just about they see movies every day and you, you've been in a theater with them they're talking through the whole thing making analysis uh, they're joined and, by and two like, teenagers <laughs> who are very much annoyed by their constant commentary Mm -hmm. and all they want to do is just watch the show you have a father who keeps neglecting his child's wishes for more food just sort of insisting that to that 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 it'll be fine and just to to watch the movie Mm -hmm. um and so like you have this this cavalcade of people who 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 all just sort of riff off each other and, and kind of comment on these scenes that are going on and indeed the one person that stands out from all of them away from them is is sort of a a grizzled uh man in a wheelchair that just sort of resolutely just keeps watching this film he doesn't sleep he's not concerned with eating so like from from the onset you you do find that he is different from the rest and it does i guess with that context in mind it does sort of i guess it, it it's fitting for his character that he wouldn't want to partake in that food no um it's it's very uh it's very important to uh it's 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 definitely an important like distinction between him and the other audience members and it's it's going to come into plot reasons later on that we will see but for now we do we cut back to the motel a cleaning lady enters and turns off the tv beginning to clean out a routine revealing tire treads on the sheets and she <laughs> opens the shower curtain to find a tire sitting in the shower with the water raining down on it and it was it's maybe the funniest shot in the entire movie it's <laughs> <laughs> she 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 knocks mm-hmm. she asks if anyone's there uh, upon not hearing any response she she deems it okay to enter the room and start cleaning which mm-hmm. is which is a fair assumption a fair to make. assumption it's her job she's she she's, then she's being basic human decency is being you know she's she's being polite she's she's doing her standard routine she then hears the shower turn on while she's in the room she knocks on the the bathroom door, asks if anyone's there. Here's nothing. And then upon not hearing, yeah, hearing nothing, goes in and turns on the curtain. Like, well, I don't know what, and, and, and turns and, and opens the curtain. I don't know what she was expecting. I don't know what, I, I don't know if her, just, if her brain just turned off in that moment. But 
what if there was someone there? What if I don't? It, it's it's it's, it's the it's the stupid victim essentially the the yes. the let's split up let's let's split up and look for clues let's uh i i don't need my phone to be charged while i go search for the killer in the forest alone <laughs> it's that person just yeah she's yeah. she's exploring and, and to a point i kind of get like maybe the shower turned on if something was like left on the handle or there, there could have been a reason for it and since she did not get a response i sort of understand why this cleaning lady would want to enter but yeah. she, she proceeds to throw the tire out of the room uh sliding it and begins cleaning once again, but don't get too attached to her because throwing the tire out of the room is a slight on its honor and it will blow her up. That is a second oh, yeah, human victim of the tire this movie. <laughs> he was he was getting clean. He was all, he was like all dusty and shit and then she throws him out and like immediately like dust sticks to his wet rubber hide or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, this is the one moment where I would sympathize with, with the tire and that, yeah, you know what? I, if I was trying to get clean... And I was uh, unceremoniously thrown out by a cleaning lady who didn't understand my motives. I, too, would want to blow her head up. Yes, I feel like that is slightly undercut by the fact that the tire proceeds to watch a turtle on TV in the same room as the dead cleaning lady immediately <laughs> yeah, after performing yeah. murder. So it, it seems like the uh, morality of its actions are maybe not something it's considering. But the tire watches a little TV. It goes to the pool. The girl from the convertible is swimming. She gets out of the pool and immediately puts boots on her wet feet which I... <sighs> yeah. Well, there was one thing as well. When the, when the tire went back into the room to, to do with the cleaning lady as he pleased, um, i.e. blowing her up, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He, there, there was a witness, it was. right? There was. A, there's a young, yeah. a young boy, a young emo child, as my notes say. Uh, he, he's got a very distinct 2005 Hot Topic haircut going on. Sees the tire leaving the room, rolling seemingly of its own accord. Mm-hmm. So we notably have one witness. This is the beginning of the tires dip out of anonymity and into the pursuit of the police in this film. The, the, the child tries to inform his father that there is a tire uh, moving of its own accord. Uh, the dad brushes him off and sends him to go get a pizza, which he yeah. does. We, it's not important oh. to dive too much more into that. but Of course. There, but of course we have to have like the one witness whom no one believes exactly it's the classic is, you know yeah. it's the it's the scientist in the disaster movie who tells us what's going to happen before it does it's the the cassandra making prophecies only to be unheeded <laughs> by her yeah. uh compatriots but the the tire having watched this woman uh exit the pool and again put on boots directly onto her wet feet i cannot emphasize yep. how much i yep. despised her doing that that can't be yep. comfortable i i know she, that i like looking at it I, now it seems as though she did that because she had to walk over some dirt to get back to her motel room but it it's still even so. it's still even so oh man if she wanted to swim cuz she brought a swimsuit right why did she not bring any other articles of clothing that would sort of fit that attire why does she just sort of like i don't even know you know i don't know why she was she was driving in the first place there's no there's no reason that we need to i think you've landed on the the reason right (laughs) she packed a bathing suit why did she pack no reason no reason no reason the tire uh 
proceeds to dive into the pool and immediately sink to the bottom, <laughs> upon which we cut back yeah. to our audience surrogates who, much like myself, had the question of wouldn't the tire float? Uh, they land on no, the flyer tire would not float. Um, <laughs> and so we, the audience, are meant to understand that that is not a question we should spend time pondering because all of our audience surrogates yeah. start to feel very sick. Uh, upon which time the man in the wheelchair mm-hmm. informs them that the turkey was poisoned, it was a trap, and that the someone is not going to get away with it because he is still here. So say goodbye to our audience surrogates. They are no longer relevant to the plot of this movie. They have died. Well, I, I, I would argue <laughs> otherwise. I would say that the audience surrogate, is the, the burden of that has now been placed entirely on the man in the wheelchair. That's true. And he... it seems to be some, and it, it's, it's something that he sort of accepts even. As, as you said, it's something that he wants to take into her own hand. And, th- and this was sort of the moment where this is that pivot essentially mm-hmm. that I was mentioning yes. earlier. Cause I'll, I'll be honest, like for the last five or 10 minutes as, as the tire was just blowing up cleaning ladies and, and, and peeping Tom Ming just random passers by, I was starting to lose interest in this movie. And then this happens and now, and now my interest peaks again. You start asking yourself questions. What does this man know that the mm-hmm. other people don't know? What he's, what does he aim to do with it? And, the, and these are questions that we can't have answered by our audience surrogate because they're now dead. Yes. So. Yes. Although we were informed at the beginning of the movie that, again, the question's answer to every single question in this movie is going to be no reason. <laughs> Look, I can't help. This might be this might be why. This might be why, despite everyone. Okay. The reason why I chose this movie, besides it being no reason, the, one of the reasons why is because I had a friend. Uh, I, I had a friend in high school who uh, loved bad movies mm-hmm. like we would gather and we would watch like he, we would gather for yearly like meetups and and watch like the newest sharknado and like we we watched birdemic we watched all of those bad movies and he would relish in them seemingly relishing see, see, uh, uh, almost like it was it was schadenfreude almost for him basically this was the one movie that i recommended that he didn't like. I found the one movie he didn't like. <laughs> and and I I took pride in that. And so if anything, that's the reason why. Just because it's so nonsensical that it managed to baffle one of the hardiest friends that I know when it comes to bad movies and films. Yes. It's... But then I rewatched it yesterday <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm kind of getting what he's... I, I kind of understand what he's getting at. Yes. I can't help but ask why to all these things you know mm-hmm. and 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 i know that the answer fundamentally is no reason that you're just not you're not supposed to know that you can ask all of these questions and you'll never get an answer and and the director our boy quentin just sort of wants that even and it's frustrating and he knows it i thought that i could escape my friend who who would relish in my pain but it turns out that i just traded my friend with Quentin, the director. <laughs> and so yes, I will keep asking these questions. I, I will keep asking these questions. And I know that I won't get an answer, but I'll keep asking them anyway. It's admirable that you're trying to answer them. Um, but we are only about halfway through the movie at this point. God. Um, <laughs> because again, as you mentioned, this is sort of the paradigm shift. This is where 
the whole gimmick of this movie starts going from being, whoa, Tyre with telekinetic powers to, okay, now we're sort of living in a meta commentary on the plot. Yeah, it's, um, like a, <laughs> it's a weird immersive theater type thing. And that just like unravels further as you, as you proceed through the plot. Yes. So with our audience surrogates, except for again, the man in the wheelchair dead, um, the sheriff pulls up to the motel to, you know, tell all of his, his compatriots, his, his squad, if you will, of cops that they don't have to worry about investigating the death of this woman. Uh, you can all relax. It's over. We're stopping now. He's he's trying to close the movie because he thinks that the audience is all dead. This is a reveal that he was the master from earlier. Mm-hmm. He he has his uh, his deputy shoot him a few times and reveals that he's totally fine. It didn't hurt, uh, despite there being bullet wounds. He he's totally good. Uh, but when they go to investigate the cleaning lady's body, she's actually dead, and the accountant appears at his boss's side to let him know that there is someone still alive and still watching, and so the show must go on, the narrator tells his... <laughs> the sheriff. Yo, yo, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah, what the fuck? Yeah, so so now the whole the theater of this whole thing uh, is no longer in the control of our, our sheriff and our mm-hmm. accountant. They are at the mercy of the man watching and the plot itself. Uh, there's a moment I absolutely love. The the sheriff walks over to the yeah. motel owner uh, and yeah, continues yeah. to question him. The motel owner is uh, murdered by the tire... <laughs> after they fish it out Point, of the like, pool. In, yeah. in, in full view of the sheriff. In full view of the sheriff. The, the sheriff then pulls out a piece of paper and reads off of it. Well, I can only I can only assume it was a script. He reads the line, the kid was right, the killer was a tire, uh, which I think is so incredibly funny that it's it's implied that this, this sheriff is also taking part in the film in so much as he has to read his lines out. Because he knows. <laughs> because he knows. The, 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 the only consistency in this entire movie is that the sheriff knows that he's in a movie. And and I mentioned immersive theater. I can only, like, the, the only way that it can make sense in my mind is if this entire rubber scene or whatever, right, is just an element in this immersive theater, the, this whole production that they've built around. And I don't know whether this is the first audience that he's had to perform to or if he's done this multiple times. I'm thinking towards the latter mm-hmm. because he poisons the audience like half, like yes. literally like through. And I, I have to assume like you, you, I'm just fabricating all of these theories that, okay, so it's an immersive. Th- it's like, it's like the actual bear in A Winter's Tale like went awry. Like you, you kind of expect it to do its own thing, but as long as you're able to relatively tame it, it's fine, but then I don't know. It, it, it's as if like exit pursued by a bear becomes like actually get mauled by the bear on stage, but the show must go on. Yes, exactly. And I think it's it's, it's also like it's implied sort of that this whole thing was planned from the beginning. So this point where mm-hmm. the story would stop and where it the the sheriff uh, intended it to stop was planned by them not providing food to their audience and the way that they've been having the audience be treated so far. So the fact that someone stuck it out through all of that is more of what's blindsiding him here necessarily more so than like the fact that he, and I think that that's makes it even funnier that he has to refer to the script because he never expected to get this (laughs) far. He didn't have to get this far. It's it's just another contingency. Mm -hmm. And like, it's just like a backup plan after backup plan that he does to try and now reel this fucking time. Cause now he has to fucking do his job. Yeah. Uh, like actually, as as dictated in the as dictated in this, in the in this production. Yeah, his his yeah. accountant does return to the man in the wheelchair and tries to get him to eat a, a full course meal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the man stoutly refuses. The uh, accountant says, "Wait, all you want? There's no end." 
uh, as though telling us that, hey, there's still 40 minutes left in this movie, so good fucking luck. Um, Mm. Then proceeds to eat the meal himself. Uh, The accountant, this is the last, uh, that he will factor into the plot of the movie because he has eaten that which he used to poison the previous audience and will fall to the poison the same way as the man in the wheelchair continues to watch on. Uh, They verbally describe the cops chasing a tire. The tire blows up one of the cops. Then the Mm -hmm. uh, tire rolls on to to this (laughs) reflection and ponders all it has seen and done. As it's pondering, the kid talks to this it. Stupid this this emo tire. child uh, asks it if it can talk. The t- tire does not interact. It just rolls away, choosing to reject all traces of humanity and kindness that it may have been shown. The child gets frustrated. The child does survive because we never see him again in the movie. <laughs> the tire then continues rolling along. It reaches a, a fire in the distance and it, <laughs> it, it rolls up to this, this tire fire uh, and, and watches its brethren being burned <laughs> at the stake. Oh, there are some humans throwing tires onto the fire. It, it's a very intense emotional scene. And we, we cut. Is it? <laughs> Is it? <laughs> you have to look at it from the tires perspective at a certain point. You know, it, 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 this, these are, as we'll later find out, possibly other sentient tires. <sighs> so it, 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 it's watching it, its brothers and sisters dying, essentially. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, this is also our first there, confirmation reason, that the tire yeah. can die. <laughs> yeah, if there's, if there's any other reason to, to to sympathize yourself with this tire, it's because we... It's not that we're polluting the air by burning these tires. It's that we now have to treat these tires fully as sentient yes. beings and not as... Because... Uh, they, they, the film buffs or whatever sort of alluded that the entire thing was fake. That the tire was yes. just we get that, an elaborate that moment of the child holding up a piece of rabbit and then being like, "No, that's not yeah. real." So up until now, the implication has been that this this is all props, this is all special effects. But now it's a fake tire. <laughs> but now, but now, we now... Have to wrestle with the implication that actually, for the tire, this is very, very real. <laughs> does the tire does the tire just go to sleep every night? Is like. I... <laughs> if, if we assume that this that this is a production that's being put on multiple times, like throughout the year or whatever, does the tire just go to sleep? Like, does it just and it just does its the same routine? I think. And it's not really until the moment that the people aren't poisoned where. See, my interpretation the of the tire it now is Ill. was that this was the the first time this has happened for at least for this particular tire because I feel like we watched its birth in a way with it learning to walk in that opening opening scene and now it, it's learning of the, the it's it's sort of the Frankenstein's monsters moment of it where it's it's watching these families and learning from them but then when it appears before them yeah. they're horrified or they mistreat it in some way it, it's very much learning of the worst and best of humanity and choosing to embrace the worst of it uh, but we don't have time to get I into the moral implications of that because <laughs> we cut to a chiron that says three days later and a bunch of exploded humans the tire has gone on a rampage in revenge for its mm-hmm. fallen brethren and murdered most of the people in the town but luckily not the sheriff <laughs> yeah no the sheriff is is he is the it is it is creation against if, if this is the Frankenstein mm-hmm. analogy as you say I would say that the sheriff is Victor Frankenstein yes he's, he's very much he's created his own monster in in a way and it's wreaking havoc and killing everything that he uh, loves is a strong term but everything that he has sworn mm-hmm. to protect from the duties of his off scripted office and, and so he has to end it before it ends him 
we cut to the tire in a in a house where he is watching NASCAR, which is very funny. <laughs> um, the cops call it into their chief uh, and their grand plan to lure the tire out in a climatic end to the movie is to dress a mannequin up as the woman from earlier, put a bunch of dynamite on its back and have her in a nearby van speaking through a speaker on the mannequin to draw the tire mm-hmm. closer to her, get it to blow up the mannequin and then trigger the dynamite that will then explode and blow up the tire this they go on a needlessly (laughs) a needlessly elaborate plan in order to kill this tire yes if only if only there was someone to address these issues directly (laughs) well van i've got good news for you we there's a knock Uh on the door of the van and the man in the wheelchair asks why the scene is going on so long (laughs) it doesn't make any sense at all he asked the purpose of the dummy this is a real-time audience critique of a ridiculous horror ending it's it's that moment where you're like how are they gonna stop the villain how are they gonna catch the killer it's an over-the-top uh a freddy from scooby-doo trap the the sheriff throws down the line you know it's because of you that we're still doing this, which I, it's yeah. <laughs> very funny. And uh, after the tire is, this, this whole scene goes on, the, the man in the wheelchair uh, lets them get back to what they're doing. They go on to mm-hmm. lure the tire closer. The tire uses its ability to blow up the head of the mannequin, but it does not trigger the dynamite. <gasps> Guess what'll it do? It didn't work. Don't think about that for too long. The sheriff gets frustrated, takes a shotgun, walks into the house where the tire is. So <laughs> As the man in the wheelchair, the watcher, complains that this is not a climatic enough ending, and the sheriff yeah. emerges with a shot-up uh, tire carcass. It, it's, yeah, 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 it's like it's... shreds of tire, and says the immortal words, the end, bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But... <laughs> But don't don't get just, it's, it's a false ending. Wait. It's a false ending. You think that everything that has been very straightforward up to this point is going to continue to be, but no, it is not. The watcher complaining that they can't stop here, man, says the other immortal. <laughs> maybe my five favorite line in the entire film. Uh, it's not the end. He's been reincarnated as a tricycle. <laughs> as, a, as, a tri- as, as a sentient tricycle. Emerges from the house. It did. I love how nonchalantly he just says it. It's like, like there's no pretense anymore. There's no suspense. It's just oh, as everything else oh, in this movie, oh, you yeah, know, cool. it, there's no reason that the tire can be reincarnated. It, it, oh, we just accept that it has been. The watcher tries to tell the tricycle, "Wait, don't blow me up. I'm just here to watch. I'm not part of the plot." But the tricycle ignores him and blows him up. The sheriff and the girl in the convertible both drive off in their separate cars, off to do seemingly other things forever, assuming that the movie is over. But oh ho ho! Little do they know that the tricycle continues driving down the road, and as it goes, synth music begins to play, and more and more tires rise up from the side of the road and join it, rolling down the desert what? highway. Why are our tire? Is this a, is our tires just discarded on the road? Like uh, th- these are could, these are these are full, full tires. I, I yeah these are these aren't. It's not like they have a hole in them. It's not like you know. You know, it's like it's, these are... this is positing a world where uh, the reincarnation of tires is possible in other things with wheels so maybe i think the implication here is that wheel things could uh possibly be alive maybe these are other tires that have rolled and fallen asleep at the side of the road themselves there's there's really no reason and no way that we can know for sure as the army of tires is on the move the end credit title pops up but only for a minute because then we're back to the tricycle it's arrived in hollywood with its army of tires 
the where end. It goes to, <laughs> where it goes to make a movie about sentient tires. Yes. That's rubber. It's sort of the uh, Jurassic World Lord. 2 ending where the dinosaurs are out in the world in the desert. And you kind yeah. of just have to accept that there are implications of that now because these tires have taken mm. to the streets. And they we don't know what they're going to do next, but we know they made it to Hollywood. And yes. scene. <laughs> and, and then we get to... And then... We, we, we were still in waiting for the sequel, uh, Rise of the Planet of the Tires. Yes. And then the final prequel, Planet of the Tires. Yes. Uh, I, uh, I can only hope that in a Tremors move, it will have five sequels and they will all have different <laughs> themed areas in which the tires are going. Uh, I would love to see like a snowmobile version of this. I think someday that could be really... Some treads. Cause you, so like this was yeah, called treads, Rubbers, the sequel's going to be called Treads. Rubber colon treads. Yes, rubber colon treads. Um, oh, no. Lots of fun. I do. There's one fun fact from the credits. So they, it's a very esoteric credit sequence. They kind of just yes, go through yes. fun scenes for everyone from the movie. Um, there are a few mm-hmm. names I want to point out. Pretty much everyone is just named after what they are. Man in wheelchair is man in wheelchair. Accountant is accountant. Mm-hmm. The sheriff is named Lieutenant Chad, which is very funny. But the tire... <laughs> Is notably yeah. portrayed by Robert. Yep. Um, that is, Tyre's name is Tyre's Robert. Tyre's name is Robert. So if you ever are watching a movie and you see Robert in the credits, you can assume that that is that Tyre in particular. <laughs> mm. He's gotten really good with mm-hmm. motion capture. I don't know. Yeah, well, he was he was really good in Baby Driver. I don't know if you saw him in there, but... Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He's, he's kind of been a... He's appeared in a few things recently, and I think he—he's sort of like a character actor in a lot of ways. Um, I thought that I thought he sold himself out with the Need for Speed franchise. Yeah, but well, you know, I, it was—it was a rough time uh, to be a tire actor in I, Hollywood. I think, There's a, you I know, you get really stereotyped. He, yeah. There's a lot of roles that aren't yeah, open to yeah. you because of who you are and what you look like, and that's something that I think is an industry we sort of need to address. Um, but I'm, yeah. I'm glad recently he's been getting more v- variety of roles. So you know, Robert, if you're out agreed, there, agreed. Keep doing the good work. <laughs> Don't blow us up. Don't blow us up, please. Um, yeah, so that yeah. that's rubber. My my favorite scene, honestly, is is the shot of the uh, once the sheriff realizes that he must continue on with this show and actually like try and apprehend this tire. Mm-hmm. Uh, there there is a prolonged amount of time spent of the sheriff uh, dismantling his own car in order to extract his like the tire from his own police car. He then just plops it on the ground, <laughs> motions to it, and, and tells his like deputies. This is this this is what the killer looks like, just totally straight faced. Yes. It's, it's it's kind of great. It's wonderful, and I think adding to that scene that one of the deputies does ask is the tire yeah. does the tire have a particular brand? To which they reply, no, yeah. it's generic, no, which it's, is just such blandless. a funny. Oh, that's so, it's so just, great. They play it straight. They play it so straight. <laughs> yeah. I lots of props to all the actors in the movie for playing it so straight. I think that that's a very good directorial choice, very good yeah. performance choice. I was surprised by how much I enjoyed the story of this movie. I, the last time I watched this was a very long time ago, and I remember thinking, "Well, funny sure. tire movie, haha." Uh, and uh-huh. this time, it, it struck me that as though, although I maybe would not say that this is a movie I'm eager to rewatch. I think I, I appreciate it a lot more now than back in high school when I watched it. Because I, I feel like it, it really does play with storytelling language in an interesting way, although it is, again, about a sentient tire. Yeah, you, you, you get so frustrated by just the, the, the endless questions that you can't help ask, but you get so frustrated by knowing that the answer is has been said from the beginning. This is a story that pays homage to, to no reason. Not, not even pays homage, that hangs its hat, that hinges everything 
on <laughs> there's no reason there's another scene near the end right before the sheriff finds out that the um where, where the tire is in that in that in that house playing nascar or watching nascar the sheriff is playing chess with one of his other deputies and he makes an illegal move his deputy says uh you can't do that and he says uh i can't the, the deputy says well you can uh and then the sheriff says well, well can i or can't i and the deputy, deputy says something to the effect of well, well, you can, but it's, I guess, suppose you can, but it's against the rules. It would be against the rules to do mm. so. And I think that tiny scene really just, it's, I can't, I'm frustrated by how it's, it, it, this movie makes no pretenses. It's a movie about no reason. It, it, it plays with your assumptions that movies have to have a set of rules and logic to it. Mm-hmm. And then it just sort of, it, it basically spells it out right there that, yeah, you, you can defy these rules and defy this logic, but then that would just mean that there is, it's against that rules and against that logic, but you can still do it. That would just mean that you ha- you're addressing to your audience that there's no logic to this movie. Normally, people would be like, well, that's not okay. I want logic to be in this movie. But this movie directly kind of spits in your face and says, yeah, no, fuck it. We're just not going to have any logic to this movie. There's no reason to this movie. Yeah, it's... So I'm frustrated. I'm frustrated that it does that, <laughs> but I can't be mad at it. I understand, as just personally as someone who likes there being like a central theme and there's consistency and continuity to these things they're just they just kind of say nah and you just you have no choice but to be okay with that yeah it's 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 yeah i don't know if it's something that i would recommend to people to watch if they're looking for a good (laughs) horror movie or even a good bad movie because i think it doesn't fulfill that same itch that a lot of bad movies do but it's definitely an interesting kind of meta commentary on how we approach storytelling that said van would you choose to watch this movie again would you recommend it to other people how do you feel (laughs) about i think i got my i think i got my sense of of schadenfreude from from my friend that that i had Mm -hmm. mentioned who who i who i'd first watched this movie with the only instance in which i would recommend this movie is if I wouldn't have to watch it myself ever again. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, I have to grapple with the fact that I wouldn't be able to see other people's reactions to this movie. And honestly, one of my favorite parts about watching this movie, the last time I watched it, was just seeing the frustrated mm-hmm. reactions on my friends' faces. I agree. This is It's not a bad movie in that it's not like on the same scale as like Sharknado, in which it's you can, right. just, you, you can legitimately turn your brain off and laugh at how stupid it is. This is a movie that attempts to be smart by just sort of highlighting how stupid the plot itself is. And I hate to say it, but like there are some instances where it does succeed. I, I did read through like the reviews like on IMDb and I watched this on Amazon Prime and I and it, they had their own reviews. And it was, it was pretty pretty polarizing. There were some people who were like, oh my god, this is just an amazing deconstruction on storytelling or whatever. And then there were other people that were like, I don't, I don't get it. This is stupid. It's really pretentious. Both both sides of that spectrum really do just summarize how fucking weird this movie is. Yeah, it, it truly, it, it yeah. can't be categorized. Um, oh boy, oh boy. Okay, well, <laughs> what a way to start us off, Van. Thank you so much for... Yeah, what a, what a, what a great first episode. <laughs> what, a, what a rip-roaring good time this was. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that, now you never have to do this episode ever again. Well, I, You never have to watch this movie ever again. I've realized a sort of Achilles heel in the premise of this podcast is by allowing people to choose any movie whatsoever, someone could conceivably choose the same movie twice, and we I would just have to That's watch amazing. it again. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> 
So kind of rubber revisited. Mm, yes, we'll see how that goes in the future. But thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. I, I hesitate to say it was a delight, but it was a delight talking to you about rubber. Thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you next time on the next episode of Movie Struck. Adios. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Movie Struck, a podcast about movies and the people who watch them. We'll be back on March 15th with a new guest in a new movie, the 2006 animated classic, Flushed Away. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and rating on your preferred podcast platform. And feel free to email us at moviestruckpod at gmail.com for any complaints, questions, or rubber hot takes.